Welcome to the Mike on Much podcast. This is part two of our weekly episode. As we said in the last episode, uh, if you were tuning in now, we're uh, just jumping right into listener questions. So it's a little bit unique. If, if, you're just, if you've just come to this episode and you're thinking, oh, it's a regular episode, it's not quite. It's actually the continuation uh, of the episode we just recorded. So... I'm your host, Mike Veerman. I'm here with my friend and trust producer, Max Kerman. We got our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham, and intern Eric on the dials. Let's jump into listener questions. Maxi boy, I believe you're curating all of these questions. I'm excited. I got them. Yeah. All right, let's do it. Do they? Do um, they? Did they have any hard hitting stuff? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's pretty good. Um, okay, Maggie Love asks: Is there any part of your new routine that you would like to keep once things get back to normal? Uh, let's start with you, Shane. Working from home would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Like if I could just avoid the commute, that would make my lifestyle much, much better. So I find I'm a a great worker from home, and I'd like to think I've proved to all my bosses that I'm actually more effective from home than even at work. So I'd like to keep that going. How many you, bosses do you have? <laughs> well, uh, well, a meet a meet and Randall. Right, 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 right. It's just the the phrase "all my bosses" is very funny. It's, it's like there's like. Shane, you had a funny line. I thought um, you, we talked about this like last year or something, where you're like, "I'm actually more productive at home because at work I spend more time pretending to work, <laughs> and like and like figuring out ways to look like I'm busy, and it actually makes me less productive. But when I'm at home, I just get more shit done. It was yeah. something. It was well, when I'm when I'm at home, the, <laughs> the privilege of working from home lights a fire under my ass like nothing else. Where I'm so worried people are going to think I'm not working that I have to prove that I did so much during the day. Whereas when I'm at work, I'm like, Oh, look at, look at how stressed I looked and I'm throwing papers around and I'm fucking, <laughs> so it, I look way more productive at work, but I'm way less productive than when I'm at home. Uh, Mike, what do you got? Um, I've never eaten better in my life. I'm like, mm. uh, and, and, and honestly, like, The drinking (laughs) is like way like it's like I think until we took this month, it's like I was I would eat lunch at work. We work on Queen Street, so it's just takeout every day for lunch. Uh, Honestly, we would eat a lot like a lot of takeout for dinner. Um, And now it's like we are cooking everything. We're like like produce, fresh vegetables. Like it's like basically the way that we're eating and the life that we're living now. feel sustainable going forward because how could you not we've now become sort of used to it i can't imagine that when the world starts up again it's going to be like yo let's hit dommies three nights a week again so i think that i think we're going to like at least for me i'd like to maintain this um uh eating to be honest yeah we're definitely like making a lot of food and like clearing out the fridge i feel like um you know, if, if you are on the run a lot if you're on the go it's just like oh shit okay we brought a bunch of groceries and 40% of it has to be tossed out and you feel really wasteful about that. But right now that's not happening at all. It's like everything's getting used. So I feel good about that though. I will say I do really miss eating out. I tweeted that like, I'm going to eat out every fucking meal of the day <laughs> and no one can make me feel bad about it. Um, but I, the thing which I've actually, you know, silver linings here, um, that I've actually kind of come to enjoy cause I'm learning, um, is like this for, for instance, like we resisted doing, pods that were not all in the same room and it's not quite as good but knowing that this technology exists and it's so easy i'm like oh this the mental hurdle that i had when it came to recording pods when the band was on tour was really exhausting for me and it weighed on my mind i'm like oh how are we going to do it how are we going to do it but now that we learn this skill and i think this probably goes for a lot of people that work in offices that need to have meetings that they thought they had to have in person um, I'm really happy about that skill that we've that we've developed here together. And with band stuff, um, you know, we're able to send a lot, around a lot of music to each other. And and the first time, like the the version of Years in the Making acoustic that we just put out, uh, that was sort of an experiment. We're like, let's see if we can execute uh, an acoustic version of our song that we normally do in some fancy studio all together. Let's see if we can all like play our parts. Tony, you assemble it all, and we'll ship it out to a guy to mix it. And it's like my favorite acoustic thing that we've done. And it, and I think it beats the stuff that we normally pay $1,000 a day to go into a studio for. So knowing that we can be productive musically from home, at least when it comes to acoustic stuff for now, and I can do podcasts when I'm not with you guys and feel still feel really connected with you and have a natural rhythm is really good. Because before, we I'd call in and we were all kind of on a three-way phone and we'd just be stepping over each other all the time. But that seems to happen less and less as we do these Zoom calls. So I'm happy for that. Uh, Erica, what about you? 
I've been roped into a lot of online workouts now, mm. and I was very reluctant to work out in the past, but now I'm working out three times a week on Zoom. And On Zoom? Um, How does that work? So uh, one of my neighbors at my parents' house, they own a gym. Gym is closed, so now they're doing classes online. And then also a bunch of my girlfriends from high school that I'm still really good friends with, we're doing workouts on Mondays now, apparently. Mm. And we're going around the circle, rotating. Each person leads them. It's all, it's very weird. It's very new to me. I, I don't know if I like it, but you don't want to be the person who's like, sorry, I can't come. Or sorry, I don't want to do that thing. You know what I mean? So. Well, you can't really say, oh, I'm busy. Exactly. Yeah. So now I just find myself working out all the time. But I feel great. And I think I'm going to, um, as this is a Greg Veerman actually line, I think I'm going to get quarantined during this time. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm into the home workouts too. Like, um, you, mm-hmm. you know, there's a whole bunch of them out there and they're free. And as long as you have like a yoga mat and a little bit of space, you, you can kind of do it. It's good. Yeah. Uh, okay, next question here. Um, this is from John Harris. Okay, so there's an article that was on CBC News. Uh, he asks, I'd love to hear you guys riff about the handwritten lyrics of Hey Jude sold for $910,000. Too much? Too little? What piece of memorabilia would you love to have? So basically, it was sold at an auction. It's Paul McCartney handwritten lyrics uh, to the song Hey Jude. It's sold at Julian's auctions. Um, the vintage bass drum head with the Beatles logo does use the English blah, blah, blah. Sorry. Yeah, but basically, um, what do you make of like memorabilia? Is there anything that you guys would pay any money for that you're like, yeah, sure, like I'll pay. Is there anything you'd spend $5,000 for that is like something of some other you know, works of art or some celebrity or musician or actor that you care about. Yeah. Um, Mike, let's start with you. Yeah. I feel, um, here's, here's the thing. It's all relative. So like whoever spent $900,000 on the lyric sheet for Hey Jude handwritten by Paul McCartney, I'm assuming that that $900,000 to them is probably like, I don't know, $400 to somebody else. So it's like when you go like, is that too much to spend? Well, it depends on the person that spent it. Like some people might think I'm crazy for spending what I spent on Raptors playoff tickets. But to me, mm-hmm. that's something valuable. Do I think having like the original lyric sheet to Hey Jude would be amazing? Fuck yeah. It's like whatever <laughs> number that would be that I would pay, I'd have to figure out what that number is. And I assume whoever spent 900000 it's relative to them like that. Like it's probably some like billionaire Saudi prince or something that's like $900,000 is like us spending 300 bucks to go to a Raptors game. So that's the way that I... Five G's. Would you spend it? Five G's. Man. You know, it's interesting you ask that because when I was at uh, the Nick Nurse uh, auction for the uh, Nick Nurse Foundation, they were, uh, they were auctioning off the... It was like a, it was a uh, all-star jersey signed by everybody on Team Giannis. It was actually a very cool piece of, mm. uh, and I think mm-hmm. it ended up getting it ended up getting up really high. But when it was in the early stages, I was texting with Danica because like I was sitting at a <laughs> table, like I could have bid, like easily anyone in the room could have bid. And I was like, on the first and second bid, I'm like, would I be crazy enough to buy this this jersey? And then I was like, no, I'm not even going to like jump in, even just to say I jumped in. And then it got way out of my price range. But to answer your question, what I spent five thousand dollars on Paul McCartney's handwritten lyrics. In this economy, brother, with everything crashing, fuck no. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Shane, is there anything you can think of that you'd, like, I need to have this uh, Jason Schwartzman, like, I don't know, script, original script from whatever? Like, is there anything? That's actually a good call. That's in the realm of something I would want. But I'm such a non-stuff type of person. I was just trying to rack my brain to think of something. And I think I would like to have the dumb Starbucks cup from Nathan Fielder's uh, Enterprise mm. Dumb Starbucks. That's a good one. What would you spend uh, for that? Yeah, I w- 5K, 5K. I wouldn't. No, no. I would pay maybe a hundred bucks, but something like something that would actually. Be <laughs> I don't know if that's going to do me. it. I know. Like I'm trying to think. Like what would actually make me want to spend money? Like maybe if, like a, let's say I lost the first card Alex ever gave me for my birthday, and she mm. writes like handwritten notes, and I was like 60 years old. If I could buy that, I might buy it for like. A thousand bucks. That's a good Something answer. Like that. Yeah, it's a good one because it's like I don't. Yeah, I'm like you guys. It's like I don't. There's nothing I really want. Um, someone like Mike D would be like, no, no, you buy it because then you can. It's an investment because you can sell it for more later. Like like people who like collect things, right? So it's like you know, I'll buy this like uh, 
expensive acoustic guitar and like i don't like you know mike has has it that's not in the nature of this question though yeah yeah, so but is there anything no another thing is just like there's nothing that like my family would want i'm like because i was thinking like oh if my dad Mm -hmm. really wanted like a rookie card from willie mays because willie mays was his favorite baseball player growing up maybe like the gesture to buy something for somebody else is something that crossed my mind but like my dad doesn't give a shit about anything either, about any of that kind of stuff either. Like, I, I'm, I think all of us are pretty lucky that n- no one is super obsessed with like stuff stuff that that's more than like a few hundred bucks, I think. Yeah. And memorabilia just kind of sits on your shelf. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Like, um, like my brother gifting me that like Raptors championship ring that he got as mm. a member of like MLSE. I would never spend money on like a Raptors championship ring. Like I, you know, whatever you could buy that for retail or something like that, I wouldn't pay for something like that. But the fact that it's a gift makes it invaluable to me. So yeah, like I could always, I could sell it for parts, you know, they could chip off the whatever and it's raw, but it's like, I would never because it means way more to me than any sort of like, like money value or whatever. Mm One million dollars. Well, in this economy, uh, I might have to take it. <laughs> um, but this question actually kind of relates to something I was thinking about with Tom Brady and Howard Stern on our last episode, um, where you know people were kind of asking, Tom, you have this incredible legacy uh, in New England. Why are you going to sully it by probably playing two shittier years uh, in Tampa? Don't you want to be the guy who played you know, his whole career with one team and that like every sports fan, especially if you're from new England, is like, come on, Tom, like don't fuck this narrative up. Larry it Bird. Perfect. It's perfect right now. Yeah. Like, uh, and, but even Michael Jordan didn't do it. Like he, he ended up going and, and we see the Michael Jordan example or, uh, who's the guy, Steve Young. No, who's the guy who played on uh, the San Francisco 49ers who left? He was the quarterback before Steve Young, Joe, Joe Montana. Montana, Joe Montana, like he left. And, and then Brady goes, well, I still want to play. And I don't really give a shit about legacy. And it just kind of reaffirmed this idea. is like you never know what it's like until you're in somebody else's shoes. And I've talked about this before. Like I remember talking to the guys in the hip. This was like in 2012 or something. We went to go see them in Hamilton. And I asked Paul. I was like, hey, Paul, do you guys bunk up together? Do you like room together? Or do you...? And he's like, no, no, we get our own rooms. And I was thinking to myself, man, Paul's so foolish. You know, I can't believe they're blowing all that money on getting their own rooms. You know, it's like... <laughs> this they, is the they, tr- <laughs> tragically hip in 2012 and you thought they were crazy for not being roommates well this is so crazy (laughs) and stupid i am and then now literally three years later like we don't really bunk up much uh except for the odd tour and and i'm I'm thinking like i listen we got the money we can all get our own rooms and i take separate tour buses now no we don't do that (laughs) lincoln park yeah but but it was just but it's a good example of like how you just don't know what you do until you're in that position so even though I think spending money really frivolously on like dumb shit, like on like $900,000 on a Hey Jude thing, I think it is unconscionable and like people shouldn't, ha- shouldn't have that much money. Like the government should take that money away and give it to poor people. Uh, that aside, I also like, oh, well, I've never been that rich and who knows what it's like to live in the mind of that person. And I'm not, I'm not saying it's excusable, but I'm just like, that is just sort of a fact of the matter that I've learned. I'm like, ah, until, until you live in someone's shoes, you just, you know, you never know. Because my mind clearly changed because we, we get our own hotel rooms now. It's all relative. It's all, it's all relative. Okay. Um, this is a good question. I think it's from Cindy. Um, did the... Did the quarantine and government reaction policies make you any more or less political? Especially Shane, who tends to be pretty apolitical. That was brackets. Let's start with Shaney, since uh, since she asked. Uh, am I more political now? No, I think it's all the same. Are you more interested in sort of the machinations, like the way that it's all working? Like, like right now, the government has more control over us than ever for a good reason. We're in a, a health crisis and we have to sort of be uh, directed in a lot of ways that maybe we aren't as we are a free country. Do you, do you think about it in that context at all? Or are you just like, well, no, this just seems like the reasonable thing to do. Being quarantined, like how we're forced to do that right now? Yeah. Like that seems... Yeah, but I think any uh, government would make you do that right now. Everyone's kind of just listening to medical professionals. Like Trump actually wants everyone to get back to work, but he's just forced to look at the statistics and listen to medical professionals. So we're really not like this is nothing to do with your political leanings. 
Well, the well the issue is though in, in in America, there's several states that don't have mandatory stay at home orders. They're slowly coming around, and that's like been a big division in politics. Meaning, like we're a state that doesn't believe in telling people what to do, and then other states are like, well, we're doing it for. The-. So it is it, it become it can become a political issue. Here, it seems like we've all we just accepted that's the way that it's going to be. Um, right. So, would you think you think liberals would be more likely to be more strict about these policies than and libertarians just, probably despise this because they don't want government in their lives at all and don't want to be told what to do. Um, <laughs> as far as like liberals and conservatives, yeah, party lines are very interesting when it comes to this. But thing. you think a libertarian wouldn't want wouldn't believe in a quarantine? I think, for, <laughs> or they just think it, they should be able to decide if they should. Uh, exactly. Do their exactly. Well, this they is where the libertarian argument kind of falls apart. Like as soon as like anything actually needs to get done, or there's any <laughs> bit of chaos, it's like, all right, what do you got for me now, buddy? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm wondering that about anti-vaxxers right now. Like, would they take the vaccine if it became available? There's this amazing tweet, speaking of anti-vaxxers, by uh, Megan Amram, who's like a writer for um, The Good Place. Uh, and she had a tweet, I'm paraphrasing it, but she was something like, because I'm an anti-vaxxer, uh, I think that we all need to get herd immunity by uh, maybe getting exposed to the virus, maybe a less potent version, maybe in an office somewhere. And basically, so many people got confused and were like, you're an anti-vaxxer, but they didn't realize the joke is that that is a vaccine. <laughs> right. So she kind of worded it perfectly where like half the people kind of like jumped down her throat and other people were like, this is the whole point is that basically, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, anyway. I do wonder though sometimes if anti-vaxxers are like, like if there was all of a sudden a vaccine for COVID-19, like would they be lining up or would they be holding out? Like I can't imagine. Yeah, apparently they would be holding out. Yeah, maybe. A lot of anti-vaxxers actually follow Alex, and uh, they responded to her uh, quite confidently that they they want to contract COVID and let their huh. uh, mm. antibodies take care of it. <laughs> Wild. Uh, um, so Shane, Shane's the same politically. Max, where, where do you lean on this question? I think it's actually made me more political um, because I had ideas about, you know, how our society and community should work, and... Um, and part of the ideas were people that are in government that run for government should care about how government works and should care about how to help people. And it always strikes me the conservative tendency, which is let people figure shit out themselves. It was always like, OK, if you if that's your ideology, why are you even running for government? Because isn't the point of government to be kind of helpful? And so it's like, so you have these people, and I, I want to give Doug Ford credit because I think he's actually been very hands-on, but I'm specifically referring to the states where you get these governors whose whole mandate since they were elected was like, we are going to stay out of your life, and that's why you elected us. It's like that always seemed like antithetical to the point of it all. So um, so, so number one, I like an, an active, smart government that is like there to serve the people and like they actually actively think about how to be helpful. Because if you're a Republican whose only mandate is I'm not going to get it in your business, it's like, OK, but you're not thinking about when shit hits the fan, how you can be helpful. So it's it, it reaffirmed my ideas there. And it's also reaffirmed my idea that like um, none of the fun shit that we get to do happens unless communities are healthy. Like and. And it's always bewildered me when we put like education and healthcare like 15th on the list. And I know it gets a lot of like budget in like whatever the the Ontario budget. There's a significant allotted to healthcare, but it's like when we're arguing, but it's like, you know, should we spend money on military? Should we spend money on this and that? It's like nothing matters unless we have every all the bases covered when it comes to our health. And I'd add education to that because education has to do with like people being informed. Um, and, and now, and it's proving this right now, none of the fun shit we get to do, sports, music, entertainment, all the things that make life fun can happen unless that primary thing is being looked after by really smart people that we're paying well and that we respect and that we admire and that we listen to. Um, and I've always thought, I'm like, guys, we need to think more about that. And, and I, I think this time is being, is proving like how, how important those people are. So it's actually made me double down and made me that much more passionate about my politics. Uh, Mike, what, what about you? I'm no more or less political. I've, I, I, and I'm not a hyper political person anyway, although I am very fascinated by politics. And, you know, I, I obviously we're all citizens uh, of this city or province and country. So it's like it's good to be aware. Um, I will say that, like, I think since this all started, and I've said this on, on a, a different pod or a pod we did a couple 
episodes ago. Um, I've been very like comforted by sort of the way that our government has reacted and that Trudeau has sort of rolled things out. And, you know, there's monetary things that they have like sort of set up for people. And there's always going to be sort of issues with getting that money out and sort of the, 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 uh, the construct of it all and the way that it even like the mechanics of it work. And, but I, I think that for a lot of people that are, you know, so many people are going on EI, so many people are, are, are applying for that, that other bonus that you need people that are out of work. Uh, because this is such a crazy time and who knows what this means down the road but what i like about the government the liberal government right now and trudeau is that from the start they've sort of had this calming voice and presence that's like we're gonna get through this we have to isolate let's get past the health thing first i know everyone's scared about money but here's where we got some stuff that's going to help people that are feeling like um you know they're going to be uh out of work because of this those things i think are so important and those you know, if we don't have a government that cares or puts these things in place or thinks about these things for when these weird sort of like life altering events hit, uh, then we're all kind of screwed. And you're seeing that in a lot of different places in the world where people are kind of just left to sort of sort themselves out. And so like people that are already wealthy, they're kind of fine. And then people that aren't are getting absolutely clobbered by this thing uh, and devastated. So, uh, yeah, like you just realize how important politics are and who is in charge. And I mean, who knows if Andrew Scheer goes in uh, whenever that election was a little bit ago, it's like, how different is the national response and then trickle out to the different provinces? I don't know the answer to that, but um, I do know that like I've, you know, as a, a citizen, I've been like, yeah, this is this has been a, a good sort of handling of such an impossible event. So that's that's how I feel. But I don't know if I'm any more or less just still sort of like observational about the whole thing. But doesn't it not make you go, oh, thank God that government, that they're, like people are smart and caring that work in government? Shouldn't that like energize you to be like that much more passionate about respecting those jobs? I just feel like to me, it just like makes me that much more like, guys, the only thing that fucking matters is that really smart people sign up for government jobs as opposed to working as a fucking consultant because there's a lot of smart people that just like, oh, I'm going to go work on Bay Street because I can make more money there. You know what I mean? It's like, it just makes me think that like all of our best and brightest should just work to serve the, serve the people and we should figure out a way to pay them accordingly. I don't know. But don't you think it's weird that no one, like no president before now or prime minister has planned for a pandemic of this level? I think this is going to change elections so much. And I think it's going to change the way like news organizations and reporters cover elections. It's going to change the kind of questions they ask. It's because I think now this is going to be such in the forefront of people's minds that they're going to have to have answers for this kind of stuff. But I would also argue, too, that it would... This is even this just proves that it's more important to be more engaged because who is in your who's in office is so important. Like none of these businesses would be shut down or society would be put on hold if the government didn't say so. Well, well, you know what? I wonder, like um, on that point is like how this is going to be a kind of a big uh, election issue is that it's like, yeah, you know, what is the Canadian military budget? I don't know what it is, but it's like, how does that compare to research and development in vaccination mm-hmm. research or whatever? And you'd think after this, everyone is going to be like, okay, sure. Like we obviously each department needs their money, but like this has been by far the, the, the most like affecting traumatic thing that anybody has been through in 70 years. So shouldn't like the majority of our time and energy and money go to that? Okay. Show me a fucking candidate who's going to like get like the best and brightest and the, and he's gonna like walk out his department of scientists and go like guys this is not we're not gonna get fucked by this again and we are working on this in a major way because like wars don't happen in the same way as they used to so and so like this seems to be like the new form of terrorism war whatever that we have to be thinking about and and like yeah i've been thinking about um this might be like a fun topic to think about a little closer to the u.s election time but like what are effective ad campaigns if you're Joe Biden talking about Trump and how he's mishandled this and how to like, you know, how do you demonstrate for Trump's base? And is there is this even possible? Like this is a guy who has so little interest in helping you. He's never had any interest in helping you. And this is the most obvious example. The department that he that was there to prevent epidemics uh, from happening, he, he disbanded. It's like you know, it's like you've seen the graphs. You, like you, United States has objectively done a terrible job here, and is under his watch. So I don't know. I just, you guys are good uh, writers. Like I just wonder, like what would be like a, uh, an effective way to get that message out? 
But we, we well, could, I think. Tr- oh, go ahead. I think Trevor Noah already did it. He had a pretty good edit of Trump in the early goings of all this, just being like, "It's fine. We're doing great. This is a Chinese disease. We've got this under control. Trust me. Uh, this is uh, fake news." And then you can see as it, it gets worse and worse, Trump slowly changing his tune. And then the, the piece ends with Trump saying, I believe that this was a terrible pandemic the whole way. We couldn't have handled this better. But just that edit was so powerful. Day by day by day, he just lied and said how it wasn't a bad thing. And then once it became what it is now, he's like, I knew it all along that this is terrible and I've been doing a great job. Because that's <laughs> Trump's whole thing, right? He'll just lie right to your face and yesterday whatever he said doesn't even matter because tomorrow he's got the answer for what he should have said yesterday or he'll blame it on barack obama or hillary clinton somehow oh 100 and he's very convincing like even though yesterday i heard him say it wasn't a problem when he's saying today now it is a problem and yesterday i knew it was a problem i still even though i know he's lying i somehow <laughs> believe him because he is so charismatic yeah. Okay. It's weird. Next question. Do you think the closure of movie theaters right now, along with the direct streaming uh, to Netflix, et cetera, theaters will become mostly obsolete, minus the old vintage theaters that uh, screen cult classics, et cetera? What do you guys think about that? This has been like a conversation that's kind of going on for a long time before this even happened. Uh, has this been um, expedited, do you think? Now, Mike, let's start with you. It's a really good question because I will say – you know, I get the arguments um, like it's expensive to go to the theater. Is it an antiquated experience? Everyone has a giant TV in their basement or in their living room now. All the surround sound sounds great in your house. Snacks are cheaper, et cetera, et cetera. But there is nothing quite like watching like a great comedy in a room full of people. That is such like a unique human experience uh, that we love doing. And that's like something that we've been doing now for whatever is 60, 70, 80 years that we love doing. The question is, uh, is it like, will movie theaters be able to make enough money? Do people care enough about going to theaters? And even before this pandemic, this was becoming an issue. People weren't going into theaters as much anymore and, and movies were losing money except for the big Marvel movies, which are stuff that you kind of need to see like an exper- experiential thing. Um, is it over now after Corona? I don't know. I mean, I think there won't be as many theaters. I think instead of having like four in your city, maybe you have one multiplex and it's just for like these event films and it can afford to run because it's the only game in town. Um, so maybe that's what it looks like, but I don't think it will ever go away completely. But maybe the way that we understand it now where like every city has four big theaters, that's probably that's probably going away. Shane? Yeah, I think there'll be a, a boom initially when this is all over and then it'll kind of die off and... I, I just don't know if theaters are that important to people under 25. Like, mm. I think for us, a big part is the nostalgia factor. Like, I like going to a theater because it reminds me of when I was a teenager and how much fun I had. It's a big part of it. I don't think the communal, like, laughing with everyone's important to people 25 and under. So, yeah, I, I do think they're going to go away with dinosaur sooner than later. But like, like Mike said, it'll probably... Um, be the without one or two big theater chain in your city instead of the four or five yeah i'm lucky enough to um, to not think too hard about um how expensive going to the movies is like i i just think of it as like oh this is an awesome night of entertainment and if it's going to cost me 45 50 bucks i'm like what else am i doing for 45 or 50 bucks you know it's, it's like okay you could either go to a sports game which is probably more expensive uh or you go to a concert which is probably more expensive but if you want to be like entertained and be out and about and feel like you're getting yourself a little treat or whatever sounds like a great way to spend my money and i also just like love the experience of like the big screen i uh, and the sound and i love not being able to look at my phone you know you're shamed if you look at your phone whereas at <laughs> home it's easy to like you know take a peek or whatever and so like your your concentration on the movie is like it's incomparable um in the theater um but it's kind of like the convenience issue too like it's like going to a party or something it's really fun but it's also really inconvenient to like get dressed get in your car go drive park get out go to the thing and then come home again it's a lot if it's at your fingertips you might as well just stay home but but, but this is why i like to do it but like i totally get it. it's way more convenient to not leave your house but i i'm probably in the minority but like i like the act of like oh this is like a date night or this is i'm going with my friends mm-hmm. like it's a very social thing like the the going and leaving <laughs> which like we'll we'll, yeah. go, we'll go to movies at jackson square and i'll talk to brody for all fucking 
two minutes before the movie starts. But I still like like that Brody was in the movie theater with me or something. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, of course, yeah. Um, but you're up. You're after thirty. I'm curious what Erica thinks yeah. about this. Yeah. Don't you guys think half of what is like making you run to the movie theater is just like the timeliness of seeing the movie like if your friend sees the movie on opening night and raves about it you're like fuck don't tell me anything i need to get there asap yes but i mean if that's available to you in your home you can all see it like you could you probably watch it three or four days as earlier as you would have if it was in the theater that's a great point and like i think honestly it, it comes down to the price too right like i just signed up for amazon prime which is 7.99 a month for Amazon Prime Video and that's like half the price of a movie ticket these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, uh, Erica, you're going to have to rearrange this question in your head, but you'll get it. Okay, what trend was around when you were in your late teens, early 20s, relevant to that age group such as a clothing item that college students wore that you want to come back? Uh, also, what is a current trend that you don't understand? <laughs> this is kind of a tough one, but it's uh that's kind of interesting. <laughs> We're we're actually kind of getting to the age because you know like fashion and like um, and sort of art and culture kind of often goes in like twenty year cycles. Do you know what I mean? So I feel like there's a lot of stuff that's happening on TikTok, like a, like style that like is actually from the nineties um, that is actually quite familiar to me. So you're seeing all these e boys on TikTok that have the part in the middle, like Sean from. A boy meets world. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, oh, this is kind of because my first answer was like, oh, I kind of liked when like you could wear long sleeve t shirts underneath your t shirt because I, I, yeah. I thought that was like kind of a cool look. But I think that might yeah. be back in now. So I think mm-hmm. uh, that's my question for both, or my answer for both. I think is just uh, is that it's uh, the, there's certain things like in style and also even in music, how like. There's things like from like the late 90s, early 2000s that are like stylistically becoming cool again. Like Dua Lipa's new record has some like 90s like dance touchstones, which I remember yeah. listening to on like Groove Station. I guess I would have been like 11 or 12 when Chris Shepard's Groove Station 4 came out, but like has that sort of like throwback quality, but now it's just popular again. Um, I don't know if that's a totally fair answer. Shane, what are you going to say? With the internet though nothing's a real trend for long enough to really be an impactful trend and nothing's out of style enough for it not to be ironically cool like anything you do even if it's uncool is now cool you can't be uncool like if i just wore like a visor upside down right now everyone would just think i was being funny and stupid yet somehow stylish and avant-garde that's actually true you know what i mean (laughs) <laughs> like I would just be like Kyle Mooney or Beck Bennett or something like that. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Don't you think like, is there anything that I could do that would be so fashionably uncool? Like what? Like those, if I wore those roller shoes, which I always wanted to get the hang of, uh, what are they called? Wheelies? Yeah. Heelies. Heelies. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> but you roll around on your heels like th- that just looked awesome. And I would think, oh, right now that would be embarrassing to do and I'd get made fun of. But people would think it was kind of ironically cool if I was doing it or I was doing it running a bit. Yeah. Heelys are definitely cool again, especially in like internet culture on like TikTok and shit. If you have Heelys, it's like, that's sick. (laughs) Like nothing is embarrassing anymore. Like nothing. I can't think of one thing that would be embarrassing. I think I still don't. And I know this isn't like a new trend, but like, and we've talked about this in the podcast before, but I still think face tattoos are are a thing that I don't totally get. Mm. Uh, Like, it's like, you have to be the one in a million lottery person that like is fake. Like you have to be post Malone to pull off a face tattoo and everybody else is kind of fucked. And so it's just like a weird, like, I just don't know how that's going to age. I don't know how that's going to like in 10 years from now when like some guys, you know, we talked about this, you know, working, you know, he's in accounting and he's got face tattoos I, I'm just very fascinated with how that trend is going to age. But it's more just a sign that to say you're an artist of some sort. Like if I went to a web designer or a graphic, like someone, if I did like an uh, Arkell's video, let's say, and I needed someone to do graphics for it or something, and the guy had a face tattoo, that would up his credibility in some way. It, it would make <laughs> him seem like, more interesting and artistic. Yeah, I'd be like, this guy knows his shit. He's super fucking smart at this <laughs> and creative and artsy. But like, you know, when I started getting tattoos like 15 years ago, people thought I wouldn't get a job. But when I applied for like directing jobs or anything and I would show up 
in a short sleeve shirt, it made me seem cooler or more artistic. I guess this is, that's my question is, will face tattoos become the new sleeves or arm tattoos? And I don't know. If I think they already have. Really? No, no, not to the same degree. Oh, if, if, if a guy with a face tattoo walked in and applied for our job, Randall would be like, I don't fucking get it, but this guy's a, like an awesome creative type. <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're in a creative field, though. Like, will, like, because now guys with sleeves are like accountants mm-hmm. or whatever the fuck. Like, can a guy with a face tattoo be in the n- new normal accountant? In 15 years from now, yes. Guess we're going to see if we're all still around. So, okay. Um, actually, I have a couple more thoughts on this. One trend that I really liked because it was just kind of a simpler time is that you could drink like a bottle of cherry Coke or go to the 7-Eleven and get like a Slurpee or something and not feel like a piece of shit. Like, you know what I mean? Because it was just like, I don't know, I'm 18. I'm going to drink some like wild cherry vanilla Coke. I'm not even going to get the diet version. I'm just going to drink like straight up Coke and it's going to be like the best shit I'm having all weekend. Like I just like love like pop like so much and now that's actually the one thing that is i think a signifier in the culture now it's like if you're if you're just like walking around like if you're like on the street with like a bottle of like pop that's not diet people just like think you're like low low class trash yeah. like <laughs> max you are onto something because they're like the trend of drinking water like you can only drink water online if you're drinking anything other than water mm. or like a that unalcoholic. Yeah, you're right. You're like you're kind of trash. It sucks. Yeah, I love Coca Cola. Yeah, I, so I've been drinking Diet Coke um, now because we've been going grocery shopping, and I and, I, and it's like my favorite part of the day. Like I, I think in my heart of hearts, I prefer if it was just a regular Coke, but I'm not willing to go there in a public way. Diet Coke is still acceptable, um, but yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I I miss Are I miss that. Are Slurpees totally out of fashion now? No, I think they're kind of cool actually. A Slurpee oh, right? is? I think Slurpees are cool cuz they're retro kind of, you know. Yeah. Mm. I haven't mm-hmm. had pop in a month and I have a pop every day with my lunch when we were still going into the office. A diet one though. I would do a diet coke, yeah. Yeah. You ain't trash, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, well, okay, and then my answer for something that um I don't get is that I am going to really sound old here is that with the new platforms, like I know every generation wants to define themselves in a certain way. And I remember after I got out of university, people like EDM started to get really popular and it was just like unlistenable trash. It was just like, because all the DJs were trying to like own a a particular sound, which is like basically like going to give you a fucking migraine. But like the the next generation of uh, university kids were like, this is what defines us. This is who we are. And I'm like, that's totally fine. If you want to like separate and do something different, but this is objective fucking trash. And so when I'm thinking about like the TikTok stuff, I like the dancing because we talked about this last week. I, I think that is cool. And I like people like going out there and showing off their moves. But I just think that it has like a real a ceiling and a shelf life that is I'm like, is this really the thing that's gonna define you? TikTok? Really? Okay, like I get that you can do clever editing. There's really funny people on TikTok that do a great job, but I I think that medium isn't as good as Twitter or Instagram. But I'm sounding like an old man saying that. I don't know if it will define them. I think perhaps it could launch a lot of them uh, just as Vine did. Like some of the biggest YouTubers now started on Vine. Yeah, I'm, I'm sounding like an A old trend man. I don't get, I guess, among maybe guys my age is when people are playing like Call of Duty with headsets on and talking to each other. <laughs> I don't understand how it works or the appeal of that, really. And I, and I do like very simple video games, but the shooting games with the headset – talking screaming while playing the game like i don't understand that culture at all natasha legero has a joke about how she would rather walk in on her husband like and catch him masturbating than having the little headset on and playing uh, like a call of duty i just saw i like i can't even say this really but i saw one of our friends was secretly recorded playing one of these games and just going nuts and it was hilarious. Oh, it was one of the funniest things I've <laughs> That's ever amazing. seen. That's amazing. I we need to see this footage. Have you seen it, Mike? No, I don't even know who you're talking about. I oh. want to see this. Okay, I can't. I can't. Say. We got to protect yeah. their anonymity. Anonymity. It, it, it was just hilarious though, and I was like, "Is this actually a thing?" And then I've listened, and a lot of our friends, I think, play Call of Duty on these headsets at night. <laughs> 
But yeah, I'm, anyway, I just don't I don't get it. Uh, okay, we're going to wrap this up with two more questions. Um, I have a one movie question that somebody asked. I'm not sure if oh. that's on your list. Yeah, no, go for it. Maybe this could go after the movie talk and walk like it was a segue. Sure. But uh, speaking of movies, <laughs> someone asked... It was I have it on my phone, but I can't because I'm on this app. But it was like, what movie would you think that each of you could describe yourself as one of the characters in? It was like, pick a movie and say which characters you'd be within that movie. I think that's the way to say it. So I wow. picked Darjeeling Limited just because I was trying to think of a movie with three guys. And I think I know the answer of what characters we would be. Oh, good one. Oh, so it has to be three guys in it. Or Yeah. Interesting question. But so I thought if we were doing Darjeeling that Max would be Owen Wilson in that movie. Mike would be Adrian Brody and I would be the Jason Schwartzman character. Mm, I have to see that movie. It's been a long time. I need to see that movie again. I remember Jason Schwartzman's character hooks up with the girl on the train, right? The, 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 the car girl. Yeah, but he became all obsessed with her after meeting her just for, like, a few idle moments. And then he, like, was just, like, pursuing her like crazy. It just seemed like something I would do. Uh, Owen Wilson has the great line in that film where there's, like, this this river that's really hard to pass. It's going super fast. And there's these little Indian kids, and they're in the river, but they're kind of stuck. And Owen Wilson, as they walk up on these kids, goes, look at these assholes. Is is that what it is? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Does, that's the, but I thought Ma- I Max is like Owen Wilson's kind of like the peacekeeper in that movie. Sure, like, that, I'm into Max. that. That's good. Um, shit, Mike, did you got do you got to get any ideas? I was just racking my brain for anything with multiple characters. I'm like Ghostbusters, Ninja Turtles. I'm like I'm just like to assign us character uh, traits. I can't, there's got to be other famous movies with three characters, like Airheads. Uh, does anyone remember that one? Yeah, like Ocean's Eleven would be kind of a that's fun a one to one. think about because that, that's a pretty good like ensemble cast. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, what about Three Amigos? There you go. Mm, yeah, Three Amigos is good. Who are you in Three Amigos, Max? I don't know. I'd have to see that movie. It's been a while. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you in Three Amigos, Mike? I'm probably Martin Short. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's who I would guess. I would think Max is Steve Martin, and I would be Chevy Chase. Yeah, that's good. Uh, we'll I like go that. with that. That's good. We'll go with that. Yeah. Uh, but if what if, well, let's pick a four four person one so we can get Erica in here. What if we're like? Uh, okay. What if we're ghost? What's a good four person thing? There's got to be a bunch out there. How many people main characters are in Superbad? Just three, right? It's two, pretty much, like, unless you count McLovin. Yeah, yeah. of course, count McLovin. Shane would be McLovin. <laughs> Why am I, I McLovin? That's an insult. You just say the dumb, funny things, you know. All right. Wow. Um, let's do dumb. I didn't think they were dumb, but okay. What about Ninja Turtles? This could be good. There's four mm-hmm. Ninja Turtles. All right, we'll do Ninja Turtles. Shane Michelangelo. Oh, I'm for sure. <laughs> He's Michelangelo. definitely Michelangelo. <laughs> Mike is Raph. Yeah. Uh, you are Donatello. Yeah. And Erica's uh, Leonardo. Wow. Hmm. I wonder if there's like a, okay. a Ninja Turtle uh, personality test you can take out in there online. Yeah. yeah, we could have done Harry I, Potter. Let, let's move on to Max's questions. <laughs> yeah. This one needed Sorry, more thought. I thought this topic was going to be way. No, it's better. good. We just need more yeah. thought. It's a good one. I can see. Uh, catch me if you can. Um, you could be Leo Shane, and you could be Tom Hanks, uh, Mike. Ooh, that'd be pretty good. There you go. Right. And wh- who are you in that? I can't remember any of the other characters. But. <laughs> <laughs> he does get caught. There's a theme Spoiler to alert. this one. Um, um, once upon a time in Hollywood, who would be Leo? Who would be Brad? Who would be Tim of the Elephant's character or something? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, Erica would be the little girl that Leo runs lines <laughs> with. <in it. laughs> That's funny. That's good. Okay. This is sort of a similar kind of question, but we'll end here. Yeah, it's from Julie T. If you could look like any two celebrities, who would they be and what features would you choose? <laughs> good question. <laughs> Got it. Kendall uh, Jenner body. Okay. With a... Really? Um, What's Ryan Reynolds' wife? Blake, Blake lively, lively face, baby. Come on. Wait, how how um, plastic is... Blake? Um, no, is Kendall. Oh, who cares? She's so not. What? Who cares? Kendall's not plastic, though. She's She's got the natural bod. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> she does. She doesn't have the butt implants or anything. She's more like just like a taller uh, supermodel type. Mm. Like she doesn't have the voluptuous body. Like Kim, for example. Yeah, or the uh, Kylie. Right. 
Um, okay, um, Shane, what do you got? Okay, I would like to have uh, the f- the face of James Franco would be cool. I like I like his face. Mm. Uh, really interesting. Yeah, like I, I yeah I think he's got a cool look. Um, who's bod? Um, who's got a good bod? Jeez, uh, like Matt Damon between movies kind of thing. No, I like uh, <laughs> I kidding. like Timothy Oliphant uh, in the movie Go. Like that's a good bot. It's not too try hard to be like ripped, but it mm. is perfectly toned at the same time, and it's mm. like not too bulky or too skinny. Yeah. So yeah, James Franco face, Timothy Oliphant body in the movie Go. Okay, I like that. <laughs> uh, Mike, uh, who, who do you got? Face and body, eh? It's a good question. I don't know. I, you don't want to be like too good looking. You don't want to be like Brad Pitt. Like that's distracting. Even Leo is pretty distracting looking. Like it'd be fun to kind of look like somebody like like a classic sort of like looking like like Paul Newman. Like I'd like to have like yeah, Paul that'd Newman's be a cool face. One. That's a good one. Mm. Uh, I'd take Paul Newman's face and Shaq's body just to be weird. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. same height, Jack same body? height, all seven now, feet. Three. Is the skin color the same? Uh, uh, so black body, white face. Yes, that's the goal. That would be amazing. <laughs> um, okay, I, I was gonna go with um, just, just because. <laughs> again, this is like something I, I, you know, you probably couldn't achieve, but um, like Timothy Chalamet's little girl body. You know, um, <laughs> not his face. You want his body? <laughs> That's <laughs> ridiculous. No, but I, I feel like girls love how skinny he is. Mr. Burns has his body. That is that's the worst decision. His best thing is his face. Really? I thought it was his body. No. No, I, Erica. I think they like, like the jawline. The fa- well, no, his body is like that of a little boy, but it's people know that one day he will fill out and grow into his body. You he's know like what I mean? I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> yeah. Somebody no, go call a DJ like Crow. my age. Come on. How old are you? I'm 23. I, I think he's mm, around my age. Let's find out. I'm looking this up. Continue. Um, so, but then I thought about it. It's like, I kind of want to just do like mid nineties era Leo face and body. Mm. I think is what I want. Yeah. You can't. You Ooh. can't really go Leo from the nineties. Okay. Yeah, that's because because the people were talking. Like my first instinct was like Brad Pitt, like because he has always looked amazing, or Timothy Oliphant, or Idris Elba, or whatever the fuck. But like, I feel like if I like cut out bread and like worked out a lot, I'm like I could probably get there. But that super skinny feminine thing that Leo had in the nineties, or Timothy Chalamet has right now, like I don't think I could ever get there. So that's why. It seems like it's something to aspire to or to want. I, sh- I should say, Chalamet's twenty four, by the way. Okay, <laughs> you you showed her, Shane. <laughs> um, okay, last question. Um, this has been very fun. What female celebrity do you think you look like? <laughs> Ooh, good mm. one. And this then Erica, good. Erica, you think of male celebrity for yourself? Oh, you can do female as well. I'm gonna Google hottest. Female actresses. Actually, uh, okay. That is, you celebrities. I'm only going to compare myself to a pretty lady here. Who has hair like you, Max? Shakira. Shakira has <laughs> hair like me? I was going to say more like Alana Glazer. Um, she, has, she has hair like me, I think. Jennifer Lawrence, nope. Blake Lively, nope. Keira Knightley, nope. Olivia Wilde, nope. Rihanna, nope. Beyonce? Hmm? Nope. Nope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Selena Gomez. Oh, Taylor Swift. Her hair is actually naturally curly, so you could say I kind of look like her. Um, Mila Kunis. Nope. Natalie Portman. Nope. Uh, I'm trying to think. I'm going to go with uh, Dua Lipa. <laughs> Dua Lipa. <What? laughs> this is just someone who I think is hot, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Max. This is not the game. <laughs> uh, this question is hard. We can also like go to another one too because that is a tough one. Okay, my answer is Carrie Russell. Went uh, with her big hair. Oh, good one. Yeah, thank you, Ash. Um, she she came up with that one. I'll go with uh, I'll go with Victoria Justice, and that's literally just me googling a bunch of women and someone who had dark hair. Victoria Justice. Sure. Why not? There's got to be someone who's like half Asian, though, or a quarter Asian that, that you would look like. I'm taking like. suggestions, whatever you guys think, you know, like, uh, Let's see. 
All right, let me keep looking. You got one, Shane? You look Shane, like Shane. Who do you got? Uh, Angelica Houston. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Angelica Houston for Shane. It's good. Um, okay, um, Erica, do you do you got one? I think maybe Ansel Ogart. Hmm, I like that. This one comes from local uh, sportscaster Mark Hebsher. Hamilton. Um, his question. Yeah, Hamilton. Uh, his question is: Are you allowed to have fun in public during a pandemic? And it's a good question because um, most things that are fun in public usually require groups. So in order to have fun, you'd have to be like frolicking around with your partner or your kid. And I even think the first couple weeks of pandemic, people like all sort of had a solemn face on and like didn't want to look like they were doing anything frivolous outside. Because it's an interesting question Um, because you're only supposed to go outside for essential things. Mm -hmm. So, So what's the policy here, guys? Honestly, no. Yeah. <laughs> Unless like it's on this. your deck or your porch. Stay on your property. Have as much fun on your property, but don't go onto public property and have fun, you know? Are we not allowed to go on walks anymore? You can, but don't have too much fun. <laughs> um, I Yeah, what does fun even look like? Like, what, like, are you allowed to sit? I don't even know. Like, have fun on the Instagram? You know, like, so if you're in your backyard having fun? Or is it like... You're going to go and like, I don't know, start, I don't know, what is it, what can you do that's fun by yourself? Can you go with your family and like play Frisbee? I don't know. I don't know if you can. I think that right now it might be very taboo to go out and kick a soccer ball around with your family. Shane, what, what do you think? Yeah, like I think if you have somebody who's four or under with you, it's a good, it's a good uh, get out of jail free card. So I'm walking around with my daughter and she likes to chase me and we tickle each other and we have fun. And I find people, at least in Hamilton, walking around are much friendlier. Like, I typically do not say hello to someone across the street from me when I'm walking. But now people are like, how's it going? I'm like, pretty good. And you? So I, I feel like I'm having a better time out and about. Whereas normally I just kind of have my head down and I have more of a, like a resting bitch face. But now I make sure to like <laughs> be like, hey, we're in hell, right? You certainly are. And- <laughs> Um, yeah, I think um, every, the courteous levels are through the roof right now, which I like. Like people are saying hello way more often, but anything more than that, if you're like two adults walking down the street and you pass another two adults, is just like, guys, get get out of my way. Don't come any closer to me and go where you need to go. And that's that. Like the, the stop and chats aren't really happening. And if it looks like somebody's like goofing about, uh, I think that's a no. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I think you have to look like you have some purpose in where you're going if, if you're out of the house right now. Agreed. If you're an adult. Yeah. All right. Well, good job, guys. That was, um, <laughs> I think, a very successful Q&A. Thank you to very, very much to everybody who wrote in with submissions. Those are really good questions. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll do it again next week. Big time. Yeah.